Jen. Hello, Andre. It's been way too long. Way too oh. long, y'all. Did we just hear some beautiful new stings? Oh, we've already been playing the movie Interesting for a while now. Sorry, <laughs> I'll stop talking. I'm shy. I'm excited to be back. Hell yeah. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I'm not even on the dock. I'm just still trying to find a Zoom background. <laughs> I know. I'm just still figuring out how I can contain myself. I just listened to T to um that new Katy Perry song, Smile. I'm so excited to be back on the show. Maya, what are you most keen about with the segment today? Uh, your interview with Aisha Ash. That's right. We have a pre-record with Aisha Ash about Beyonce's Like Is King. As you guys may know, she wrote a beautiful piece in the Sydney Morning Herald about Beyonce's Class of 2020 speech. So we thought it was best to sit down with her and get basically some tools and tips on how to watch Black is King, which dropped last week. We uh, talked about the backlash, the love, the fame, the fortune. It's all coming up later on the show. But first, it's time for a bit of movie news. Movie news. That's gossip. Oh my god. I'm in love. OMG. Okie dokie. Take it away. Looks like I'm going first. Sorry, guys. It's been two weeks. I'm still getting back into the groove. In horror movie news, Megan The Stallion confirmed in an interview with Variety, a reliable source, that she is writing a feature film screenplay Mm. named Sis. And as we have all seen from an interview she did with Vogue magazine a couple of months ago, she's a big fan of The Human Centipede. Not that she actually likes the film, but she has quoted, she has been quoted as saying that that film was right for the culture and that people needed to see it. And then also we have other horror movie news, which is that Courtney Cox and David Arquette have both confirmed they will be returning for Scream 5. Jen, Kevin Williamson, mm-hmm. love so me. can't wait. I so just watched Nick Campbell in uh, in the ER on the weekend in Skyscraper. Who knew that Nick Campbell was still getting roles? I wonder um, what Scream 5 is going to feel like after we've had the Netflix show, the death of the original director, Wes Craven, post-pandemic Scream reboot. Is it going to work? Is it not going to work? I'm still keen, Jen. I don't know about you. I'm always it's down just for made me feel. It's just made me feel like a sitting duck, honestly, sitting in this house. Anyone's a target. Well, you are not going to be a sitting duck any longer because the new jackass movie is coming out in 2021 and i know that that's gonna pop your pussy crazy ah, and also, the job. And yeah. also what is it tell me stop sequin in a blue room made by local city oh my god have you heard of her have you heard of her is getting an actual capital c cinema release mm. okay if i had known that an afters film made by some friends of ours including sam van grinsman was getting a release in an actual cinema, I would have tried harder at film school. Unheard of. (laughs) (laughs) That there was going to be this little clean slate moment in the middle of the year for actual films to come out in the cinema. From local filmmakers, what's going on? And talking about local filmmakers who've turned their back on Sydney and aren't shooting here anymore, Lily Wachowski confirmed last week that what seemed pretty honestly transparent from the beginning, that The Matrix was always a trans allegory. 
Um, of course, but, I mean, duh. Like, <laughs> meanwhile, her sister's shooting Matrix 4 and is actually blowing shit up in San Francisco. <laughs> they let off all these explosions three days ago, melted all of these streetlights. Um, Jen, explain, explain to me in the audience why they're not shooting in Sydney anymore. Is there a reason behind them not shooting the Matrix 4 in Sydney? I think it's because they didn't change the title of the uh, Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras when they could have. Right, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Just just Mardi Gras. I'm seeing there's Nicole Kidman news here with Melissa McCarthy, so please dive into that. (laughs) Oh my god, okay, so Nicole Kidman and Melissa McCarthy are shooting today, today is the first day of shooting, the Leon Moriarty new series, Nine Perfect Strangers, up around their Hollywood bunkers in the Byron region. (gasps) Okay, what is it with these HBO shows having three-word titles? I'm so sick of hearing Big Little Lies, Nine Perfect Strangers, end of list. (laughs) Little houses on fire. With Little houses on fire. Anyway, we now are taking it local. MIF, which famously stands for Melbourne International Film Festival, is open. And I'm only advertising it now on this beautiful Sydney local community radio station because it is online so anyone can watch it. You can go see First Cow, Kelly Reichardt's film, and all these. Well, you can't beautiful... anymore. Wait, what? They, they do this thing where only a certain amount of people can get in to watch the film. So you kind of got to get in first. A lot of them have. Shiva, baby, it's all it's all selling out. So get your, onto the Melbourne International Film your Festival goodness. website. Okay, well, everyone, hop on that website because the short films are free. I don't know about and those you can features. See Vicky Thompson's. Don't oh yeah, Vicky to go home. Yes, 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 yes. We need to plug that. We need to famously plug that. Don't forget to go home. We'll be there. You don't have to pay for it. And we are also we, actually, I am reviewing a film on the lineup which I believe is still available to watch, but knowing this whole new system, I don't know if it's even available. It's Werner Herzog's new film, Family Romance LLC. I thought it'd be available to watch on the MIF website from today, but lordy lordy, who knows? I don't know how it's It's on Mubi. Mine was the opening night film. We love MIF, kind of. More resourceful cinema, please, if you're listening. Sorry, there we go. If you need the too long, didn't read my takeaways there was that Megan Thee Stallion is writing a feature film screenplay (laughs) and I am so, as someone who in year 12 did The Matrix as one of their related texts, I'm so happy with this news that the Wachowski sisters have confirmed that it is a trans allegory. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Amazing. They both give such brilliant keynote speeches about the movie's as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. fabulous i mean controversially i love cloud atlas yeah we'll and that is that a, from the obviously podcast. a trans allegory <laughs> mm. okay we're gonna take so. it to a song very very quickly and then we're gonna come back with two takes some hot reviews no hot takes or maybe one Oh, You'll have a, to... a steaming turd of a hot take i'm so sorry guys turn off now <laughs> if you don't want to hear a hot take <laughs> We are on Movies, Movies, Movies here on Mornings, and it is time for a little bit of take two. Take two. Jen, Andre, who's going first? I'm going to go first with First Cow. First Cow? All right, we're going to go with First Cow. My mother died when I was born, and then my father died. I never stop moving. It's the getting started that's the puzzle. No way for a poor man to start. You have a cow. First cow in the territory. 
This ain't a place for cows. No, it's no place for a white man either. Oofed. Dramatic. Mm, dramatic, calming. Indie academic auteur Kelly Reichardt's first cow. Uh, it starts out with Alia Shawcat's dog finding two skeletons on a bushwalk outside Portland. And she kind of imagines this so-called America's original donut kings. The birds chirp, a boat passes. We find two sexy friends from 200 years ago, King Lou and Cookie, who save each other, live together, steal milk and make money in the mud. It's 1820, but don't let that freak you out. Reichardt is here to explore homoeroticism and the futility of early frontier capitalism. But in the rainy monotony of daily survival, she finds warmth in the two men frying donuts before the hole was invented. This film opened up the Melbourne International Film Festival last week and my domestic hole for Andre yesterday when we watched it in bed with crumpets and tea while it rained. Beautiful. Just an absolute guitar strumming movie. I loved it. And I fell asleep to it both times I watched it. (laughs) I love that description. (laughs) Guitar strumming movie. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Andre, what did you think of Kelly Reichardt's First Cow? Oh, oh, Andre. <laughs> Andre, you're muted. You You've muted your little bitch. self. <laughs> Andre's still muted. Oh, Look, no. Honestly, it's because he's taking some photos. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, Andre. I don't think you can hear found it. I found it. I found it. I found it. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I was trying. <laughs> yes, I'm being too silly this morning. First Cow is a gorgeous contribution to the Kelly Reichardt herb because... Normally her films are quite um, pausing and slow and extremely focused on very small, delicate moments and don't have much heightened drama in them. But Thirst Cow dips its toe into those types of storytelling. And I feel like there's a bit more of, you'd, you see more plot beats and more, you know, moments of suspense. And there's, this is actually the first film of hers that I think has violence in it. And Shut up, Night Moves. Our favorite Reichardt is the most suspense have... movie ever made. But it doesn't know. But it doesn't show the suspense, and it doesn't have violence in it, though. And I think First Cow okay, is the first true. one that directly discusses it, I guess. And She's trying to bro I up. Was, I was unsure of that, but I was also surprised. So I guess if people know her body of work and they're expecting like an extremely slow poetic film, I don't think First Cow is necessarily like that. I thought it had more in touch with the Nightingale, and that's not just because of the setting and the period, but because of the fact that they run a two people run away into the forest and get chased by other people andre it's definitely slow one of the first shots is just a barge on a river and it makes it the entire way across the street screen on like just a steady shot jenny famously we know that we when we discuss like it's not skyscraper with neve campbell no but it's also not abascristami like it's slow but it's not very very slow okay and i just think that as if you were like me and you absolutely are addicted to slow cinema you're not going to get that with first cow but still adored it though highly recommend it damn are we moving on to your review andre i think we are family romance llc here we go まず私の会社ファミリーロマンスなんですけどまず私の会社ファミリーロマンスなんですけど。What a score. What a very score. very score. 
I'll give a bit of context to what the film is about because I believe the trailer was in Japanese, so maybe there wasn't that much uh, explanation about the actual plot. It's basically about a company in Japan that lets you hire out imposters to play different people in your life, like a father or a business colleague or a friend. So literally, if you have a situation that requires a person, you go to a family romance LLC and you can hire a stand-in for that situation and then they go and act it out. But now we're talking about the actual film. The first sentence of this review is, how do you actually walk out of an online movie during a <laughs> pandemic at a film festival like MIF 2020? <laughs> Test yourself with Family Romance LLC by Werner or Werner Herzog, a resourceful film set in Japan, screening at MIF, but I'm not going to tell you when because I don't want you to see it. Because as someone who has seen not one, but two short films by Aussie German backpackers who went traveling around Japan and shot something on a DSLR, I am well-spoken in the language of travelers making formless diary films outside their Berlin installation art studios. Family Romance LLC is like watching a marketing manager's attempt at following their filmmaker dreams. Yes, Brad, you should definitely work on that screenplay you started during a WGA writing seminar at Salt Lake City Airport only to remember that Brad lives in a faux Scandi apartment called Manhattan in Piedmont and thinks going on a gap year in his 30s is life-affirming. Don't forget your tripod, Mark. Brad, next stop is a train ride through Europe shot in a GoPro. F you, Brad, and F this movie. I thought it was lame, generic, and insulting to people who don't have a platform like Werner Herzog who actually have to make resourceful films. Werner, you get a budget. Go back to Netflix <laughs> and make a documentary. Whoa. I love the This movie made sass. me mad. Jen, I'm sorry. This movie infuriated me. I could not watch it. I thought it was so formless and so irritatingly made. Chime in, please. And calm <laughs> my anger, my seething anger. Oh, there's something deeper going on here. I feel like when I heard talk is the Nicole Kidman of directors, like he won't always hear. You so are bound to say that. You're being such a Gemini right now. Oh. And he'll leave you wondering what's next. I loved it. I watched the whole thing. I fell asleep twice again. I've watched it twice. It, nice score. Really also talking about like the ersatz technology that we work with. I thought it was all about the stand-in of like when you talk about films as being therapists, I think the whole thing is like, why are we letting these actors tell us how to think about our lives? Like we're not, we don't know them at all. So I think he was just like making some cute, unwatchable film about like how bad filmmaking has become and how boring drama is. Jen, Which I thought was might... cool. It's like, it's I... some harder shit. I don't know. It's Brechtian. I thought you'd like it. Whatever. Didn't you feel like it just like when you were watching it, you were like, this looks like a Photoshop assignment from a high school. I couldn't stand the like cheap 5D quality of it. And I thought the whole thing was so self-aware of how like different it was to cinema that you see at Cannes, but it still went to Cannes and it's still on movie. It's almost like Werner is making fun of really struggling, aspiring emerging filmmakers like myself who do not have the money that he got from being a classical 70s filmmaker. I'm sorry, but it's not cool when you're established to go back and make a faux shit film. Jen, why are you making a fish face me right now? What are you doing? I don't know. I just thought it was like made me feel calm and I fell asleep and it was raining. It was chill. I mean, honestly, I don't even care about what the films are anymore. As long as it's raining outside, I like it. Damn. There you go. Hot takes all round right here on Movies, Movies, Movies with Jen and Andre, your favourite film lords. We are going to go to Berlin by Macy Rodman dedicated to you and and then we're going to come mm. back have a little bit of a spotlight session with Aisha Ash chatting about Black is King so don't go anywhere there is a language warning right here hey, oh my god I haven't seen you so have I not seen you since I got back from Berlin 
Macy Rodman with Berlin. We are on Movies, Movies, Movies. It is time for a spotlight. Spotlight. On Spotlight, we have a very special chat with Jen and Andre. Tell us more before I press play on the pre-recorded interview. Winner of FBI's uh, Smack Award this year for Best Live Performance, Aisha Ash, as part of the creative director, co-creator of Blackbirds, talked to us about Black is King. Uh, She has been working on uh, multiple interdisciplinary works this year. She's the new host. (laughs) It was a big... I can't believe I didn't read that properly. (laughs) It's such a long (laughs) word. Um... She's the new host of Canvas, uh, so she's been practicing her diction much better than I have because we just talk about movies, not art. But most importantly, she did a really beautiful op-ed with Sydney Morning Herald 
uh, about Beyonce's Class of 2020 speech and how Beyonce has kind of been a meeting place for white folks. And so we wanted to know how she's feeling about Black is King and the discourse around it. So we caught up with her on the weekend on Zoom and I'm so excited to share with you her thoughts. I'm keen. I'm keen. If this is going to be anything like Aisha has done on Canvas or even way back when on Culture Guide, it is going to be good. So right here on FBI, this is Aisha Ash talking about Black is King. Are you cool for me to start recording? Yeah, go for it. No. Go for it. Hey FBI, my name is Aisha. I'm the artistic director of the Blackbirds, and today I'm going to be talking about Beyonce's Black is King. What I, what I wanted to know is, like, after you did your Sydney Morning Herald article, you wrote about your feelings of her Class of 2020 speech. What kind of baggage did you have going into the first new major work by Beyonce since you wrote that? You know what? I was kind of nervous to watch it because, of course, art's there to be critiqued. But I saw a lot of stuff that was saying that she's appropriated African culture and she's done all these things wrong and it's all about capitalism and blah, 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 blah. And like, she's just only now standing up for Black people because she's making money off it. So I was going into watching it with that also attached. And I was kind of like, oh my gosh, I'm really worried that I'm not going to enjoy it, that I'm going to be really upset with Beyonce. But you know what? She has put all these Black people in a in this amazing piece of art. She's promoted Black artists, Black dancers, Black choreographers from an interview with Janet Mock that maybe you've heard where Janet interviews Tina Knowles. Tina talks about, because Tina's quite light-skinned, she talks about going into a petrol station and she's wearing this shirt that says Black is Beautiful. And the attendant said another black person was like oh you're not you're not really black and she was like I'm the blackest person you'll ever meet in your life like I'm so black like I'm so into my culture and it's like if Beyonce has grown up around that like I don't think that you can say that all of a sudden she's just using blackness to make money if she didn't have African people in there then she'd get in trouble if she had too many dark-skinned people she'd get in trouble if she had too many light-skinned people she'd get in trouble and now they're saying that why is a light-skinned person making this this album in Africa well it's like she can't help that she's light-skinned. It's based on The Lion King very loosely, which is set in Africa, and also Disney had a big part to do with it. So it's like, what what could she... What do you want from her? My jaw literally dropped at some of the outfits. Like, I couldn't believe. And also when she's doing the synchronized swimming. Hello. Oh, yeah. Time. Very Austin Powers. <laughs> very Austin Powers. And like also, can I say that Jay-Z is aging like a fine line? Where was this critique at John Favreau when he made The Lion King in Africa? <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. So when it's a black woman, it's like, oh, we can all pile on her. It's like, she couldn't win either way. Someone's going to say, like, people get angry at her because she wears a weave or because she has blonde hair. It's like, well, can she just let, like, just let her live? Let's talk about Beyonce, the visual artist, and let's give a hot take. Because when I watched Black is King, my first thought was how similar it was to her previous works. And I guess I was kind of wondering, when's Beyonce going to do something that isn't just high production value, incredible costuming, singing and dancing in a music video context. Like, are we ever going to see her do like a real DIY isolated performance piece in a gallery? Or are we only ever going to see Beyonce mm. as like super high caliber? Well, do you remember a few years ago, she did that documentary where she was, it was all black and white and it was like her into her little camera. She has no makeup. She looks stunning. And she did that documentary and everyone laughed at her. So I was like, she, do you know what I mean? Like she did a stripped back 
and no one liked it. She's just in a league of her own. And I really do think she's stepped into her own as an artist. Like the past couple of years, you know, her and Jay-Z have a, have a fund where if you get arrested for protesting for Black Lives Matter, they have like their own bail fund. So you just like apply to that and they bail people out all the time. They do all this stuff that no one knows about. And, and so it really annoys me that people are saying that she's like using her blackness for, for capitalism and just to earn money and that she doesn't actually care about the black community. I think that's just so offensive. How do you recommend people watch Black as King? With some friends and some wine and some speakers set up and space to dance around if you want to. Genius. Chill. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Need them sirens going off. Then we can look up in the sky. The tears we cry, let us know that we alive. Yeah, yeah. It gave me goosebumps every time. I throw up my diamonds. Together we big time. Don't make me have to remind you. Uh, I think Aisha really said it best and put it all together aptly. Jen Andre. What an excellent chat. Excellent chat. Love Aisha always. Uh, go check out New Canvas. It's had a little bit of a paint job. I'm so excited for what they're but putting also, out. It's been great. Also, watch Black is King and text in your opinions and thoughts. Send them to Actually, our Instagram, movies underscore movies underscore movies. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Renewing our vows to movies and uh, everything that comes along with them. Exactly. One Disney Plus movie at a time. Jen, oh Andre, thank you so much for stopping by this morning. I am so glad to have spent some time with you today. Mm, you can catch too. Movies, Movies, Movies wherever you get your podcasts from. You can get the Too Long Didn't Read on fbiradio.com slash programs. Just click on Mornings <laughs> with my Villick. Everything will be there for you. Alternatively, it'll be the hook that you need to go and check that podcast out. So go search it up, Movies, Movies, Movies. Jen, Andre, I will see you here at the same time next week. Thank Till you. Till next week. Angels. Ciao, ciao. Stay safe. We're going to go to a little bit of Elsie Lang right here on FBI. Talk to me is the name. This podcast is produced by FBI Radio in Sydney. Find more at fbiradio.com slash podcasts.